and uh, your ex-husband, Kobe, had Kobe. written it. It was mm -hmm. a stage play was the original idea. Right. It was a stage play in Hebrew. This is Iris Yurtak, speaking with me back in 2015. Iris is a songwriter, and in 1977, she was married to Kobe Recht, who was a flat-out rock star in his home country of Israel at the time. And we, ha we made a, de a demo uh, with some of the songs sung by, by Israeli friends of ours. Okay, and Kobe as well, the singer, of course. And then um, the director, you know, the future director of the film, Menachem Golan, came one night to our place and heard the songs and saw this, the storyline. And just the next day, called us and said, uh, well, come on and let's make a movie out of it in English. In order to get this once a potential stage play into a movie musical, Kobe and Iris get relocated to Los Angeles. We came, we came to Los Angeles and we sat with uh, George Clinton for a whole month or so, day and night. And George became a co-creator because he translated all the songs and also added a lot and also worked with Kobe on music. So it was really a good team, wonderful team. It was great to work with him. And uh, that's, how, that's how it became, the movie. Now, before you start thinking that Iris is referring to George Clinton of Parliament and P-Funk fame, let me step in here. She is referring to George S. Clinton. And George S. Clinton is definitely not George Clinton. George S. Clinton has had a long career making soundtracks for television and movies, though. When I was involved with it then and saw it then, I didn't think it was so bad, you know. <laughs> I understand how people think it's one of the worst films ever done when I see it now. Yes, she said one of the worst films ever done. My name is Dan Delgado, and in this episode... We're taking a look at one of the best bad movies around in an episode we're calling Behold the Apple. Welcome to the industry. Listeners to this podcast might be familiar with Menachem Golan and his cousin Yoram Globus already. Episode two of the industry looks at their breakup in 1989 and the subsequent rival Lombada movies that came out because of it. But let's go back before all of that happened. Menachem Golan started making films in his home country of Israel in the 1960s. By the 1970s, he was one of the most successful Israeli filmmakers around. That's when he and his cousin Globus decided to turn their attention to Hollywood. And in 1979, they bought the cash-strapped production company, The Cannon Group, with the idea of making it big in Hollywood. Before Golan came around, Cannon spent most of the mid to late 1970s turning out sexploitation movies like The Gas Pump Girls and Cheerleaders Beach Party. But now, with Golan in charge, things were going to change. And Golan wanted to make an impact in the industry. And when he heard the music from the stage play that Kobe Recht and Iris Yotvat were working on, he thought he found a way in. They had the basic idea that he would turn into a big, flashy movie musical that he was sure was going to bring in the box office. He would direct it himself and call it The Apple. And we were involved in a way that was very shallow. Because once Menachem took the script, he actually kind of converted many of the things there into others. And, uh, and actually... 
took charge. Of course, he's the director. The way it is. How much of what he did changed what your original idea was? Uh, the original idea was not changed. But the way it was conveyed changed a little, you know. Some, of course. It was very naive from the beginning. So <laughs> this didn't change, you see. And the whole concept of the, the film, good, bad, you know, Alfie and Bibi, Tandy and Dandy, Satan and man. God, this was very naive. At the end, Iris is referring to the characters in The Apple. And if you haven't seen it, let me give you the official plot synopsis. Young singers Alfie and Bibi have big musical dreams when they leave Canada to compete in the World Vision Song Festival. Though the festival's organizer, Mr. Boogaloo, yes, rigs the contest for others to win, he shows an interest in Alfie and Bibi, offering to sign them. But... Then, Bibi is taken in by the evil, wild world of rock and roll, and Alfie is determined to save her, even though Boogaloo says he owns her and her soul. He owns both, you see, because he's the devil, just in case you had not figured that out. Oh, and since it's not mentioned, I'll just let you know that it all takes place in the futuristic world of 1994. And while they say it's the world of rock and roll, it's also very much the world of disco, because there is a lot of disco in this movie. Originally budgeted at $4 million, Golan would do something that would be out of character for the rest of his career. He kept raising the budget. Canon Films under Golan and Globus was notoriously cheap for the most part, but for the Apple, the $4 million eventually became 6 and then grew to $10 million. Filming took place in late 1979, just months after Golan and Globus bought Canon Films. When casting the Apple, Canon had a thousand people audition for parts. Catherine Mary Stewart was a dancer in college at the time and knew nothing about the Apple auditions that were going on at her campus. I was walking to my class first thing in the morning and two of my classmates were walking in the opposite direction, which I found interesting. So I said, where are you going? And they said, well, we heard about this audition for this rock musical, and they need a whole bunch of dancers, so we're going to go ahead and audition for it, just for, you know, the experience. I thought, well, I should do that, go along with them. So I did. And it, it, this was an official audition, and you were supposed to have music prepared and all this other stuff to audition, on which, of course, I didn't have anything. But I noticed that Menachem, the director, was sort of looking at me funny when I was in this audition, this cattle call dance audition. And he ended up, you know, pulling me out of the group of dancers and asking me if I could act. And I said, but of course, <laughs> you need me to act, I'll do that. And could I sing? And sure, I can sing. And so I, I went through this audition process with them, and literally within, like, two days, I had the lead role in this movie. And, you know, I was, what, 19, I guess? That is Catherine back in 2015. She played the lead role of B.B. in The Apple. And while Catherine could certainly handle all the dancing required for The Apple, singing was not her forte. She would end up lip-syncing her part, while Mary Hyland, a professional singer, would sing all of B.B.'s songs. Not that it was a problem for Catherine. She was 19 and simply thrilled to be starring in a movie, even if lip-syncing was part of the deal. The lip-syncing thing was not even an issue at all. When we got on set, I was just like, yeah, I, I've got it, no problem. And I also knew the script inside out. That was one fun thing about 
um, being young and sort of having this new project, I became so passionate about it. I was still dancing during the day, taking class, but I would come home at night. I was living at the YWCA um, in uh, London, and um, I'd come home from dance class and just sit and read through the scripts and everybody's lines inside out. I, I was so excited to get started on this movie because I knew it. I just knew it. That was never an issue. And she wasn't the only one. Menachem Golan was looking to knock this one out of the park, and his directing style certainly reflected that. Menachem was very passionate about this project. This was going to be his ticket into Hollywood, basically. Canon Films had just been established, and he thought he was like hitting the nerve of what the American audiences really wanted to see. And uh, so given that passion, he wanted it to be perfect. So he's not the most patient man in the world. Um, very hyper, very active, but passionate. I would say passionate would be the word. But he did lose his temper at times, for sure. And that temper she's talking about is something she had firsthand experience with. I missed my call. I somehow read the call sheet wrong, and I'd been out all... I thought I didn't have to work this one day, so I was out all night, literally, all night long. Berlin is quite a little party town. And um, <laughs> at that time, of course, now, you know, it's all part of uh, Germany. But at that time, it, West Berlin was like this little island yeah. surrounded by East Germany. And East Germany and East Berlin were like the antithesis of what West Berlin was. West Berlin was sort of like a crazy circus place. And lots to do. So thinking that I didn't have a call the next day, I just stayed out and had fun all night long. And I get finally back to my hotel room, and people banging on my doors, you missed your ride to the set. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I had to, you know, clean myself up a little bit and get to the set, but I was late. And while I was sitting in makeup, he came barreling down into the makeup room, and he said... If you ever do this again, you will never work in this town or in this business. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm not even sure what that means. But it was kind of creepy. He just railed on me. Golan seemingly put everything he had into the apple. The movie was full of rock and disco numbers, and the sets were lavish and over the top. A lot of the most awesome sets aren't even in the movie anymore. Um, like there was a whole uh, segment that was cut out that kind of was a fantasy segment that referred to kind of Adam and Eve. You know, the apple is basically an Adam and Eve story. And taking a bite of the apple is the sin that Eve commits, of course. And so they had this whole sequence where it's sort of the birth of Adam and Eve and God is in there, you know. At the very end of the movie, we finally see Joss Ackland as Mr. Big. Mr. Biggs? I'm, I'm sure, I forget if it's Mr. Big or Mr. Big. It's Mr. Tops. At any rate, he has, he plays this sort of God character in this, this segment that's cut out where he's creating Adam and Eve. And that was, I mean, there was a lake where he walked on water. There were animals. Um, there, uh, 
George Gilmore, who played Alfie, kind of emerges from this rock, this this mountain. So there's lots and lots of special effects makeup, and I kind of emerge out of this pile of leaves. Not quite as exciting, but um, um, that was pretty awesome. And that scene that didn't make it into the movie cost a million dollars to make alone. Although for some reason, the song that Joss Acklin sings, it's called Creation, is on the soundtrack. And if you've ever wanted to hear Joss Acklin sing, you can find it on YouTube. On August 22, 1980, the apple was unveiled for the first time at the Montreal World Film Festival. In 1994, the world is controlled by one power. The Apple brings you everything. I wanted to release Phoebe from a contract. She is. Where is she? I stand alone. The apple is the temptation. The apple is the experience. The apple is the forbidden fruit. Come and take me and shake me and mow me and make me and fill me up with your fire. Come do anything to me. Your little heart desires. Ooh, I've never been so high in my life. The apple <laughs> takes your soul. Special experience in movie-going entertainment. The Apple. It served as the opener for the Montreal Film Festival that year, and every member of the audience was given a copy of the movie soundtrack on vinyl. The screening turned out to be a disaster. The audience was not impressed, and as the movie went on, some audience members decided they weren't so interested in owning a copy of the Apple's soundtrack. So, instead, they took the record out of the sleeve and started throwing them at the screen. Now, the legend goes that by the time the movie was over, the screen had suffered quite a shredding from all the flying records. They just somehow were off just a little bit in terms of American sensibility anyway. I mean, he was a very successful director in in Israel, you know, famous, huge. Um, and he really, really, his passion was to make it in Hollywood. Golan was devastated by this reaction. Having been convinced he had made a movie that was going to connect with the youth of North America and be his big ticket into being a big-time Hollywood player. When the Montreal screening was over, he was crushed. 
I just didn't feel like I had that much at stake, whereas Monaco really felt he had a lot at stake. I mean, this, like I said, was, this was going to be his breakthrough movie. And he put a lot of money into it, and he was passionate about it. And, um, yeah, the story goes, and I wasn't aware of this at the time, but he tells the story of where he went back to the hotel in Montreal and was literally planning on throwing himself off the balcony of his hotel room and kill himself because it was so devastating. Um, but he was talked out of it, I guess. The Apple was released into theaters on November 21st, 1980, where it was quickly pulled from theaters only after a limited run. The critics destroyed it and audiences ignored it. But really, 1980 was not a good time to release a bizarre disco musical. This was the same year that gave us the Village People's movie Can't Stop the Music and the Olivia Newton-John flop Xanadu. Years later, though, after the Apple was released on DVD, it would have a bit of a revival. Now, it's viewed as a cult film. Because I literally hadn't, you know, heard anything about the Apple for years and years and years, and I was living my life in New York, and I get this phone call from somebody at entertainment magazine or something like that and he said so how do you feel about how people are reacting to the apple after all these years and it was like what are you talking about what are you even talking about and he explained to me that there was this you know crazy group of people that just avid fans who were i don't know screening it all over the country like i said and uh that it, it was it was crazy. It was just I was blown away. I didn't know how to respond. Catherine has gone to some of these revival screenings and encountered many Apple fans, and some of them even dress up as her character, Bibi. It's one of those movies that not everybody knows about, but the people that know about it and are fans of it are super fans. The Apple choreographers were Nigel Lithgow and Ken Warwick. Both of them would go on from the Apple a movie featuring a singing competition that is the seemingly most important thing in the world to producing American Idol, a singing competition that was seemingly the most important thing in the world. Nigel Lithgow is also a producer on So You Think You Can Dance, where he's seen on camera as a judge. George Gilmore, who played Alfie, the male lead in the film, has never appeared in another movie. If you check his IMDb, The Apple is his only credit listed. Catherine Mary Stewart survived the disaster of the Apple and has worked steadily in the industry ever since. The Apple was her only film for Canon Films, although she did come close to doing another one. He called me up and said, I want you to be in this movie. I'm like, okay, cool. And so I was all ready to fly to L.A. Uh-huh. from Edmonton. And, um, you know, at, at Customs, U.S. Customs in Edmonton, I said, so what are you doing in the United States? I said, well, I'm going to be shooting a movie. And they said, oh, great. Do you have a work permit? And I was like, um, well, I guess so. I mean, the producers have hired me and told me to come down there, so I'm assuming I have a work permit. It didn't occur to me that I needed a work permit. And they oh, didn't wow. say anything about it. And they said, well, where's your work? I said, oh, I don't have one. He said, well, you can't get on the plane to work in the United States if you don't have a work permit. And so, you know, dejected, oh, wow. I went back to my house and I called up my This was another time he got really mad at me. <laughs> he was like, 
The movies you can't remember? It's this. It's Jekyll and Hyde together again in the most audacious, outrageous comedy of the year. Jekyll and Hyde together again, and they're still crazy after all these years. And if you've never heard of Jekyll and Hyde together again, well, there's probably a good reason for that. Kobe Recht would end up suing over the music rights to the Apple once it was released on DVD in 2004. He initially found success in the Wisconsin Federal District Court, but when it was moved to California, the case was dismissed. Iris Yotvat, his ex-wife, was not involved in the lawsuit. Yeah, I'm not involved at all. In oh, those things. Okay. No, I, I, I'm trying never to be involved in those kind of things. Even if you win, you lose, you know. She also pronounces Menachem Golan better than anyone I've ever heard. Menachem Golan. The Apple is a movie that needs to be seen to be believed. It takes place in a society where people are forced into dancing and singing at the same time every day. There's a disco-themed orgy dance sequence. And God, I mean Mr. Tops, shows up in a white Rolls Royce that happens to be flying in the sky. The entire thing is completely bonkers. It's a fever dream. Is it a bad movie? Unquestionably. But it's one of the most insanely entertaining bad movies that I have ever seen. Oh, and Menahem Golan was just fine. He went on running Canon Films with his cousin, and things were just great. Well, for a little while at least. Then it kind of gets complicated here and there, but that's another story. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Industry. This episode was written, edited, and hosted by me, Dan Delgado. Music in this episode is by Kevin McLeod, whose music appears courtesy of a Creative Commons license. Special thanks to my guests from the past, Catherine Mary Stewart and Iris Yotvan, both of whom were kind enough to speak with me back in 2015. Show notes and links can be found on our website, industrypodcast.org. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, it's at TheIndustry13. On Facebook, it's TheIndustryPod. And on Instagram, it's Industry underscore Podcast. That they're all different names is it's done by design to see if you're paying attention. The Industry is an indie pick on the podcast app CastBox, which is a great app for listening and discovering new shows. Check it out. If you want to be helpful then you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Or maybe just tell a friend or two. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon with another lesser-known story of the things that went on in the industry. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>